Good Friday morning, Israel's dire warning to Gaza. More than a million people told to get out now. It is October 13th. This is today. Evacuation order. Israel gives civilians in northern Gaza 24 hours to flee. Overnight, new Israeli airstrikes paved the way for troops to move in. The U.S. scrambling to get Americans out of Israel, chartering flights, and the desperate behind-the-scenes push to free American hostages were in the region live. On high alert, security being ramped up in cities across the U.S. this morning. Some Jewish schools closed after Hamas calls for a day of anger from supporters around the world. We'll have the very latest. Breaking overnight, square one. In a stunning move, Steve Scalise suddenly drops out of the race for House Speaker. Nobody's going to use me as an excuse to hold back our ability to get the House opened again. Just ahead, the Republican hard right holdouts blocking his path to power and leaving Congress at a standstill. We're live on Capitol Hill. Weekend washout again. A massive coast-to-coast storm set to spread rain over a 1,600-mile swath of the country. Al's full forecast straight ahead. All that plus her side. Jada Pinkett Smith opening up about that infamous Oscar slap for the very first time. I'm like, what is going on right now? My wife's name out of your mouth, right? What she's revealing in her exclusive one-on-one with Hoda. Today, Friday, October 13th. 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Friday. Nice to have you along with us. And we will start with that urgent announcement overnight from Israel evacuate northern Gaza within 24 hours. That's the warning to the people there, a clear sign that a ground invasion is imminent. This was the scene over Gaza a short time ago, leaflets warning civilians that they should get out of the area immediately. More than one million people would need to relocate by roughly midnight tonight, a move the United Nations calls, quote, impossible without devastating humanitarian consequences. In the meantime, there are new concerns today over the fate of those 150 hostages taken in Saturday's massacre by Hamas terrorists. Officials now say 27 U.S. citizens were killed. 14 remain unaccounted for. And here in the United States, security being increased at synagogues, schools and other locations this morning, including the U.S. Capitol amid an increase in online threats and calls from Hamas for a global day of anger. There is much to discuss this morning. Let's start with NBC's Richard Engel along the Israel-Gaza border this morning. Richard, good morning to you. Good morning, Savannah. We are now on the border with the Gaza Strip. And behind me, that is Gaza City. That is going to be, it seems, the focus of Israel's attack, uh, an attack that could come quite soon. That is the city that Israel has told Palestinians to leave, to leave immediately, telling them they have until midnight to head south to save their lives. The IDF calls for the evacuation of all civilians from Gaza City. Israel overnight warned more than one million Palestinians to evacuate their homes within 24 hours as it continues to attack the Gaza Strip and cut it off. Israel told Palestinians living in northern Gaza, which includes the crowded Gaza City, to head south below the Wadi Gaza Valley. 
Israel says it had no choice but to attack Gaza to disarm and deter Hamas after its gunmen butchered 1,300 Israelis and foreigners and kidnapped upwards of 150. And it's flattening the Gaza Strip to do it, with around-the-clock airstrikes and tanks taking up positions and opening fire. Israel says it only targets Hamas. But what about the children? 40% of the 2 million Gazans are under 15. The UN says a humanitarian crisis is dire and getting worse. Hospitals in Gaza are overwhelmed with thousands of dead and wounded. Doctors are running out of supplies. And Israel has cut the power and water. As I'm speaking, there is bombing everywhere around the hospital. The building is shaking every minute or two minutes. Uh, I don't know if we are going to see another day. And uh, I hope my family is going okay. Israeli troops and heavy weapons are now ringing Gaza. A ground assault could come soon. The brunt of it, it seems, will come from the north. So as you can see, over, we're all preparing our bags and leaving our house. Salma Sharab is a 22-year-old dental student. Uh, no one has a place right now. If you have a car, just run. No one knows where we're going. But we're all evacuating. Prime Minister Netanyahu says Hamas is like ISIS and released graphic photographs of children killed and mutilated by Hamas terrorists. He showed them to Secretary of State Blinken, who today traveled from Israel to Jordan on a mission to prevent the war from spreading across the region. Hamas has told Palestinians to defy Israel's orders to stay in their homes, but many people are not obeying that order. They are leaving. However, some people are remaining in Gaza City. The hospitals will stay open. They say they have no choice. They have a moral obligation to stay and treat the wounded and the dead, numbers that are expected to rise quite soon. Savannah. Richard Engel starting us off along the border. We're joined now by NBC News analyst, retired Admiral James Stavridis, former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, and Jeremy Bash, former Chief of Staff of the CIA and the Defense Department. Jeremy, you know, we see this order, this evacuation uh, announcement coming from Israel. How practical is this? Where are these Gazans really supposed to go? And number two, what about Hamas? Won't Hamas militants, terrorists try to slip out with them? The population is going to go into displaced persons camps, into UN uh, protected refugee camps, while the IDF tries to conduct surgical strikes against Hamas infrastructure, against weapons caches, against rocket factories, and to go after high-value targets. This is not shock and awe, Savannah. This is not trying to get tactical surprise. And we're and and the the. The Israelis are not trying to occupy the territory for all time. They're not trying to nation build. They're trying to go after terrorist infrastructure and see if they can create a cordon around the Gaza and to protect the south of Israel. Well, on that element of su surprise, Admiral, there is none. These troops are amassed at the border. The leaflets are flying. The Israeli ground forces are coming. So what is the military mission there? If you can expand on what Jeremy was just saying. Yeah, what you're seeing is best military practice in the following sense. They're giving a lot of warning. They're offering time for these civilians to move out of the line of fire. They're defining where they're going. We know what that mission will look like. You'll continue to see these strikes, I think, for another 24, 48 hours tops. You can't keep that ground force just holding much longer. Then they'll move in Savannah. They'll look for those military-age males. They'll try to capture them. They'll 
go after the C2, the command and control, the ammo concentrations throughout Gaza City, and they'll take control of it. But Jeremy's exactly right. They don't want to stay. They will do everything they can to avoid civilian casualties. But it's going to be a very, very bloody couple of days. Meanwhile, Jeremy, we see Secretary Blinken and other U.S. officials in the Middle East hopscotching from country to country, meeting with uh, allied Arab leaders. What is the mission there? Yeah, the mission, first of all, is to arrange for humanitarian assistance for the Gazan people. The second is to ensure that they all transmit a message regionally that Iran should not get into this fight and that the U.S. is going to stand by its allies. I'm sure Jordan is nervous. I'm sure the Gulf Arab countries are nervous. And this key message is Iran, don't join this war. And finally, Admiral, what of the hostages? The American hostages, of course, are close to our hearts. All the hostages are. Is there any feasible rescue plan for them? Uh, there is always hope. We have conducted hostage rescues, both we, the United States, Israel, very, very good at this mission. I can assure you every element of U.S. and Israeli intelligence is focused on finding and fixing those hostages. Special forces are prepared to go in. Um, the Israeli Defense Force will do everything it can. And I think there's a lot of back office assistance from the United States. We know there are U.S. citizens there. Um, the president and uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin will be very focused on doing all we can to get them out safely. Admiral James Stavridis, Jeremy Bash, gentlemen, thank you as always. Meantime, cities across the country are increasing security this morning after a call for a day of anger by a former leader of Hamas. NBC's Stephanie Gosk has the very latest on this part of the story. Hey, Steph, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. You know, we've been watching the police presence ramp up at synagogues like this one and other Jewish locations. Now we're being told that some schools are even closed today or have gone remote out of an abundance of caution after that former Hamas leader called for protests around the world today. This morning at synagogues and Jewish schools and businesses nationwide, security is beefed up. According to multiple law enforcement officials, authorities are monitoring increased threats online, but adding none of them are specific and credible. One major cause for concern, the former head of Hamas calling for a global day of anger today against Israel, encouraging neighboring countries to join the fight. We've had moments of elevated security risk with specific concerns about the Jewish community in the past. Is this moment different? This moment is very different. This is unprecedented. Former New York City Police Chief Terry Monahan says law enforcement is keeping a sharp eye out for any threats. But they're also asking the public to be vigilant and report anything suspicious. This is the biggest risk that uh, I think law enforcement has been faced when it comes towards the idea of counterterrorism since 9-11. It all comes as protests have popped up this week in cities and on college campuses, occasionally becoming flashpoints between pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian demonstrators. On New York's Long Island, police briefing rabbis about their security plans as the Jewish community prepares for the first Sabbath and Saturday services since Hamas's deadly attack. We're not going to allow fear to paralyze us. It's never good to do that. One rabbi whose congregation includes more than 1,200 families says their doors will be open this weekend. I encourage our Jewish population, who usually doesn't come to synagogue this Sabbath, come out strong and let everyone know that just because Hamas tries to eradicate Jewry from this world, it's not going to happen. 
The NYPD is investigating multiple incidents here in the city, including an assault and arrest at Columbia University, where they closed the campus down yesterday to the public. Later on today, there's going to be a pro-Palestinian rally in Times Square, and you can expect a significant police presence at that rally, Hoda. All right, Stephanie Gosk for us here in Upper Manhattan. Steph, thanks. Also breaking overnight, new turmoil in the search for the next Speaker of the House. Steve Scalise withdrawing his name from consideration overnight. Quite a surprise. Just one day after securing the Republican nomination, NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles joins us with the details. What's next now? Ryan, good morning. Savannah, good morning. And the race for speaker is now back to square one. Republicans are scrambling to find a new candidate to replace Kevin McCarthy after Steve Scalise surprisingly took himself out of contention. And right now, no one has enough support to win the job. After weeks of countless closed door meetings and constant infighting, Republicans in Congress are now looking to the heavens for answers. We're a ship that doesn't have a rudder right now, and I'm thoroughly disappointed in the process. And I just pray to God that we find something. That something is one person who can marshal the support of 217 Republicans in Congress. A goal so elusive that Steve Scalise, the man who once had the most support, just gave up. Our conference still has to come together and is not there. Uh, There are still some people that have their own agendas. The Republican civil war is so grave that it has hobbled the entire Congress. No legislation can emerge from the Capitol without a speaker in place. And that means the debate over funding to aid Israel, new policies to deal with the ongoing border crisis, and a looming government shutdown have not even started. We need to make sure that we are functional for uh, for this country, and we're going to do that. It's a numbers game for Republicans. There are currently 433 sitting members of Congress. 212 of those seats belong to Democrats. Republicans have a majority with 221 seats. But in order to be elected Speaker, you need to reach a magic number of 217. Meaning if all the Democrats and just five Republicans don't vote for the chosen candidate, a Speaker can't be elected. It was enough to end Kevin McCarthy's Speakership and prevent Scalise from getting there. And it remains a major barrier for other potential candidates like Jim Jordan as well. We're going to have the same problem with Jordan that we had with Scalise. So I think it's a math problem, frankly. And Jim Jordan is the likely frontrunner to be the next man up. He said last night that he would wait until today to announce his plans to seek the speakership out of respect for Scalise. Savannah. All right. Ryan Nobles on Capitol Hill. Quick programming note. Kristen Welker will, of course, be covering this house chaos. The war. Much more this Sunday. I meet the press. Her guest exclusively, Senator Lindsey Graham. More trouble this morning for Senator Bob Menendez. The New Jersey Democrat hit with new charges yesterday, accusing him of accepting bribes from a foreign government and conspiring to act as a foreign agent. The new indictment alleges that he provided sensitive U.S. government information that secretly aided the government of Egypt. Menendez denies the new allegations. The senator and his wife, Nadine, pleaded not guilty last month to corruption charges, alleging they accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes. Al, what you got your eye on this one? Well, we're watching this low-pressure system firing up. It's spinning up, bringing in showers and thunderstorms. Behind it, some snow. Heavy rain today spreading into the Midwest. We're talking about gusty winds, likely right across the plains. Then for tomorrow, another rainy day throughout much of the Northeast, unfortunately. Strong 
amongst arms, a rumbling down to Virginia into the Carolinas. And then we move into Sunday. It slowly exits the East Coast. Still some wraparound showers may dampen things on from Maine down into Michigan. We're looking at multiple rounds of rain and flooding, especially around the Great Lakes and the Midwest. We're talking anywhere from one to three inches of rain with rainfall rates of one inch per hour stretching all the way into the northeast and that is your latest weather guys thanks al thank you al just ahead we're following a major setback in the push to end the actor strike in hollywood and Chloe Malas is on the story. Hi, Chloe. Good morning, Savannah. Well, we spoke to Fran Drescher, the president of SAG-AFTRA, and she has a lot to say about why the negotiations broke down. All right, we look forward to hearing about that. Plus, interested in taking a cruise? Demand and prices soaring ahead of the holidays. We'll take a closer look and give you some ways to save. But first, this is today on NBC. It wasn't me this time. It was Al. <laughs> A major setback in Hollywood. Yeah, negotiations in the ongoing actor strike have now been suspended indefinitely. NBC's entertainment correspondent Chloe Milas is here with details. Not good news, Chloe. No, unfortunately not. And we actually have the inside scoop on what stalled these negotiations. These actors, they had been optimistic that they would be next after striking writers that they got back to work. But after five days at the bargaining table, negotiations, they fell apart, leaving Hollywood facing the grim prospect that Tinseltown will remain shut down through the holidays. It's so wrong and it's so unfair that they walked out of the meeting and so disrespectful. SAG after President Fran Drescher firing back at the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers and its CEO leaders for what she calls corporate greed. They talk at you. They really don't want to hear what you have to say or why you're saying it. On the picket lines, actors say they're disappointed but determined. So this is the part of the movie where the hero gets knocked down and you think they're out. And this is the part where you double down and you come back and win the day. The AMPTP, which represents streamers and major studios, including NBC's parent company, saying it is clear that the gap between the AMPTP and SAG-AFTRA is too great and conversations are no longer moving us in a productive direction. Compensation for streaming shows appears to be the major obstacle to a deal. The new Writers Guild contract includes a bonus system for hit shows and films. But Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos at Bloomberg's Screen Time Conference says a recent SAG-AFTRA proposal for what he called a levy on subscribers was a non-starter. It just felt uh, like a very like a bridge too far. The AMPTP says that this subscriber bonus sought by SAG-AFTRA could cost some $800 million per year and would create an untenable economic burden. But Drescher says that figure is greatly exaggerated. Have they said, though, what they would be willing to pay per subscriber or is it a no go? No, they walked away from the table. The two sides remain at odds on a range of other issues, including minimum salaries and protections around AI and consent. The impasse is pushing back release dates of several major films, including Dune 2 and Godzilla x Kong, now reportedly scheduled for an April release. SNL will return with a new episode this Saturday night with Pete Davidson hosting. That's because SAG-AFTRA members who appear on that show are working under a different agreement and are not in violation of strike rules.
poor I was growing up. Mm. I never All right. So this looks like they're at a, an impasse, a standstill. So what's it going to take for both sides to come and sit down and talk? That's a really good question. Yeah. So Fran was saying that there is no meeting set. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could drag on through the holidays. And, you know, Fran was speaking out to us after Ted Sarando spoke out at this conference, which I spoke about, in which he said that the union wants too much money per subscriber. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that Fran Drescher is saying they didn't even come back to us with another number. But something that I found in interesting is that she said that these negotiations, uh, you know, they didn't just not go well. She says that she was talked over. She says that there was a communication breakdown, that she couldn't get a word in edgewise. Now, we've reached out to the AMPTP for comment, but clearly uh, there needs to be better communication on both sides here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wonder if they'll send different negotiators and if yeah. it's just too poisonous of an atmosphere yeah. to try to get it going again. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, these thousands of people are out of work and it's not just actors and people in Hollywood. It's thousands of other people across various different industries mm-hmm. and we are approaching the holidays and yeah. people, they can't pay their bills. They can't put food on the table. Right. But Fran says that they are going to hold out for however long it takes. Yeah. Wow. All right. Chloe Malas. Chloe, thank you. Thank you. Still ahead, Hoda, your mm-hmm. headline-making conversation with Jada Pinkett Smith. Everybody is talking about this. Yeah, this morning she's got more to say. What viewers did not see, did not know during that famous Oscar slap. Jada will reveal a lot of info there. All right, looking forward to that. But first, Sam Brock is exploring the surge in demand and prices for a cruise. Sam? Yeah, Chanel, look, everybody likes a good deal, right? Especially when that good deal involves multiple stops in the Caribbean. But with concerns right now fading about COVID out at sea, lots of people have that idea. Coming up next, how much can you expect to pay for your next cruise? Back now, 738 with In-Depth Today. This morning, some big changes in the cruise industry. For people looking for a holiday getaway, they can't be just the thing, but as the demand is set to sell, set to sell rises, so are the prices. Well, NBC's Sam Brock joins us from the port of Miami with what's mm-hmm. behind the surge and how to spot a bargain. Hi, Sam. Savannah, guys, good morning. Certainly people just fear more comfortable these days getting on cruise ships. There is also a sense, guys, just that it's the most economical option for those who are seeking an adventure. But higher demand also means higher prices, with one group estimating it's been about a 40 percent increase looking at a sample of major cruise lines from December 2019 to this December. At the Port of Miami, business is booming. Vacationers are ready to set sail, with demand for cruises surging. The industry no longer facing headwinds from COVID. Do you think now, given where the state of affairs are, it's easier? Yeah, where things are right now, I feel like we're we're pretty safe. We, we didn't fly in, we drove in. Laura Terry and Shandy Johnson came all the way from Little Rock, Arkansas, for a cruise to the Caribbean, which happens to feature new kids on the block, including singer Donnie Wahlberg. You're going to the Bahamas, right? Yes. But the first order of priority is seeing Donnie Wahlberg. Yes, definitely. But right now, it's the cruise line singing to the tune of soaring sales. And higher demand has lifted prices substantially. According to data from Cruise Critic, the average price of a five-night cruise in the Caribbean, Bahamas, or Bermuda will now cost you $736 a person in December. That's 37% higher than a year ago and 43% more expensive than December of 2019. People had a lot more money to spend, and they're really looking for a vacation that's going to give them what they perceive as a lot more value, maybe than a traditional land-based stay. While some have sent warnings on social media. Just know it's going to be the most expensive vacation of your life. Many we spoke with said the climb in costs was expected. The prices are getting more expensive. Have you noticed that? Yes. And 
like, in my opinion, it's worth it because it's always a good sign. Carnival telling us in a statement that even with rising prices, they deliver value of 25 to 50% over comparable land-based vacation alternatives. Norwegian similarly telling NBC News in part, cruising remains the best value for your vacation dollar. They're there to have that vacation of a lifetime. And so it's a really a win-win situation for everybody involved. In Miami, it's full steam ahead. What did you pay for your trip? <laughs> As passengers put less emphasis on pricing in order to set sail to paradise. And don't expect the prices to be coming down anytime soon, guys. Port Miami here is projecting an all-time record for passengers this year. If you are looking for ways to save, one good option, there are discount cards out there online on sites like raise.com and hardcash.com. Of course, the bundle options, always a good way to go, certainly if you're talking about unlimited drinks. And then date and location flexibility. If you have some, you can definitely save a lot of money that way. And I will tell you, just based on what I saw here in the last 24 hours, the new kids on the block bundle, definitely going to be a hot seller as well. Savannah, let me send it back to you in the 80s and 90s. Okay, and I saw how you tucked in the unlimited drinks bundle in there. I see you, Sam Brock. I see you. Thank you so much. Yep, got it. All right, 742. Let's check out the weather with Mr. Roker. Hey, Al. All right, we've got the ring of fire solar eclipse coming up tomorrow. Now, here's what happens. Because the the moon is too far away to actually completely cover the, the sun, you get this Ring of fire. And so it's going to be kind of cool. Here's the deal. It's mostly the Western U.S. Uh, space uh, stretching from Oregon all the way down through Texas. Now, the further east you go, the less you're going to see of it. But it's between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. The ring of fire times in Eugene, Oregon, 1218 in the afternoon. Albuquerque, 1235. Odessa, Texas, 1245. San Antonio, 1254. Good viewing in the southwest to the southeast. Unfortunately, poor viewing from the Midwest to the northeast. And that is your latest weather. All right. Thank you, Al. You have a nice sway. You do. Thank you. You have a about you. today. Yes. Love the way you move. Is that what Peter Frampton said? Yes. I like Some, the oh, No, that's Al oh, song. The I Peter like Frampton song. Please watch. Oh, my God. Senior moment. Well, we need oh, baby, I love your way. Baby, I love your way. Thank you. There you go. Did you skip Outcast? Was that Outcast? No, it was Outcast. I love that song, too. God, bring it back. Oh, my gosh. It is Let's so go. Friday. Just ahead, guys. Remix. You don't want to miss. We're going to be doing some cooking and meal prep this weekend. Smart ways to cut down on your food costs. Maximize those dollars at the supermarket. Okay. But first, the Taylor Swift era rolls on. The Lexi brought <laughs> Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, as well as the box mm-hmm. office overnight. Plus, a special Taylor's version today of The Boost. We'll be right back. Guess what? Just in case, we, yeah. me and Hoda made you today's show friendship bracelets. Oh, so here you go. Oh, you have a little today's show. When you made us cookies, we had to return them. Oh, paper. that's so and sweet. Thank you so much. Okay, that was our gift to Donna Kelsey when she stopped by last week. We yeah. thought she Remember kept that? them in her pocket. Yeah, she's yeah. like, thanks. We thought, she threw, we'll see him again. Yeah. thought she threw them away. I, I mean, know. we mentioned, Good. we noticed something. Our eagle-eyed viewers noticed, too. Okay. Something was on wow. her wow. wrist at last Look night. Those are yours? Mama yes. Kelsey. Yes. It's today. So today. Oh, wow, she yeah. wore the Today oh, Friendship Bracelet. The Today Friendship Bracelet, which we touched, is now on Mama Kelsey's wrist, yes. which was right next wow. to Taylor, y'all. Right. That's like six degrees of Taylor. <laughs> exactly. Right. 
You're practically Taylor Swift. I mean, wow. how about that? Uh, You're besties. As for Taylor, the music superstar is seemingly everywhere these days, and Chanel's made her way out to the plaza to bring us more. Chanel? Uh, yes. We have a lot of Taylor fans out here this morning. And the fact that she was wearing that bracelet, how sweet is that? It is a Taylor-made world right now. Her Heiress Tour movie debuted in theaters last night, while at the same time, Swift showed up at Travis Kelsey's game in Kansas City. All of it sending fans and the internet into yet another frenzy. That magical Taylor touch. Once again, the pop superstar on site cheering the Chiefs to victory over the Broncos Thursday night. This Swift's third appearance at a game, intensifying attention on her relationship with Kansas City tight end Travis Kelsey. It was the icing on a very sweet week for the pop superstar. Enchanting fans on the red carpet at her Eras Tour movie premiere Wednesday. I've never had a fraction of the amount of fun I had on the Eras Tour. Swift then opening the film Thursday night, a day early, due to unprecedented demand. I'm going to go to this movie at least 13 times. Audiences bringing that Swifty spirit inside, dancing and singing in their seats, just like Taylor did at the premiere. The film already breaking records, earning more than $100 million worldwide in advanced ticket sales, making it the best opening ever for a concert film and projected to be among the highest grossing movies of the year. Of course, there's been concert films before, but never like at the level of Taylor. Instead of using a major studio to shoot and release the movie, Swift blazing another new trail, going directly to AMC theaters to distribute the film. An unheard of move. The blockbuster film coming on top of her live tour, the most successful in history, predicted to earn a staggering $4 billion. With her movie spreading to even more screens today, one thing's for sure, Swift's not-so-cruel summer is turning into a red-hot fall. And Swift has even more goodies in store for fans. Taylor's version of her 1989 album is coming out at the end of the month. Guys? Yeah. Chanel, this is usually the time we do the boost, yeah. but I think that you might be able to do the boost some justice out there with your live edition <laughs> tied to Taylor Swift. I am what loving that. How about a live edition of Hoda's Boost today? What do you guys think about that? Okay, so here is the deal. You can't plan this. We have so many people out on the plaza who are Taylor Swift fans. Tell me, I heard about you guys, the Snyder family. Yes. Yeah. Tell me your name. I'm Violet. How old are you? 10. And how old are you? I'm nine. And what's your name? Victor. And I hear you guys are hardcore Taylor Swift fans. Yeah. Yes. Guess what? We're givers this morning. So AMC gave us four tickets to the Eras Tour movie. Come on in. Guess what? These are for you. And one for you. Wait, Dad. Wait, let me not forget Dad. Hi, Dad. Hey. And guess what else? Hoda, Savannah, Carson, Al, I heard. Tell everybody what you guys are going to be for Halloween. Taylor Swift's eras. <laughs> I love that. They're going to dress up at the tour. Have the best time at the movie. <laughs> guys, back inside you guys. She's going. Good time. I hope the popcorn's as big as those tickets. That's, That's right. going to be great. Guys, Good. coming up, we're going to hear one of Taylor's best friends on Popstar. And we've got several new trailers to share some good ones, too.